This is In the Making, and I'm Teresa Au. I'm so excited to be bringing you this podcast with intimate stories and life lessons from the creator economy. On In the Making, you'll hear from content creators, communicators, marketers, designers, and the folks who do a little bit of everything, the slashies. So join me every two weeks for revealing and honest conversations where we get to find out together how these creators overcome the challenges of being small business owners and creatives at the same time. Thanks so much for being here with us and let's get started. Today, I have the immense pleasure of speaking with Phil Palin. Phil is a personal branding expert and keynote speaker with a global following. As a brand strategist, Phil has advised hundreds of brands from over 30 countries, including a shark on Shark Tank, a Nobel Peace Prize winner, politicians, and some of the most important names in entertainment. His unconventional approach to digital marketing and his talent for social media makes him a must-follow on Instagram and TikTok. And his podcast, called Brand Therapy, is a fantastic marketing resource. Phil also frequently appears as an expert contributor in media outlets around the world, including CNN, Access Hollywood, and the Daily Mail. Phil, thank you so much for being my guest today. Right here is exactly (laughs) where I want to be, okay? With you, Teresa, with you. Yeah, what I didn't say is we've also become friends since... I first met you last year at the Max Conference during the Adobe Ambassador Summit. It was amazing. It was amazing. We got to actually meet and chat and connect. And you're right. We've been friends ever since. I want to start from my audience to get to know you a little bit more. How did you become a brand expert? And what does it have to do with the star of two and a half men? (laughs) <laughs> you thought I forgot, right? Well, we'll tell that story. We'll tell the the short version, but it is exciting. And it's an important part of how I started. Did my master's degree out in Florida. A few months before I was set to graduate, I applied for a lot of internships, including one that was very public at the time, 2011. Charlie Sheen was all over the news. A little bit of a meltdown, public meltdown. <laughs> he created a, a social media internship and very public competition. Over 90,000 people around the world entered to become Charlie Sheen's social media intern at the peak of his craziness in the media. The submission, Teresa, was a tweet. That was the limit. Now you got my attention. I'm like, oh, I don't want to send a cover letter and a big long resume. No, I love this application, which was a single tweet. Which is actually harder to write, a short form. It is harder, particularly when you're up against that many people. So there were a few things that worked in my favor. I had practical skills, so I knew how to film a video. I was confident enough to put myself on video. I also am Canadian, and Canadians love any successful Canadians in media or sports. I certainly had one of the most visible campaigns, had videos I was working on with my friends, and really just trying to stand out and make people feel a part of this competition. I didn't want to be one of those annoying friends that was like, oh, vote for me, vote for me every day. You can vote every day. It's like, no, it's exhausting. Instead, I was thinking, how can I make this an experience that other people can be a part of? What are the angles of this story that keep it exciting? And people were really excited about it. In fact, my very first client came to me and said, do you have any friends that are like you because I've been following your journey in this internship competition. She said, can I hire 
any of your friends. And I said, I have good news. You can hire me because I actually need to pay rent. I'd moved out to LA. I did not win the internship competition. My first client was a wholesale candle and fragrance company in Ohio that hired me and paid me money to help with social media. And that set me up for entrepreneurship. It's all I've ever done. I never intended to be an entrepreneur, but I like being creative. I like clients. I want to dig into your expertise and ask, what is a brand? Most people think it's maybe a logo or a color scheme, but how do you define a brand? A brand is consistency, but now let's unpack that because I think as it relates to, let's say, design tools or creativity, people might think, well, a brand, that's a logo. Really, a logo is, is only one element of it. I think a brand is handled, I guess, in three stages. So positioning your brand, thinking about what are your goals, you know, thinking about what are your competitive advantages? How are you different than other people? What language do we use to sum all of that up? That would be that first stage really. Then when we feel good about how we're positioned, being able to sum up your brand in a sentence, I'm a brand strategist and a content creator that helps people and companies position, build, and promote their brands. So I'm even sharing my process in my one sentence that I used to describe who I am and why people should care. This is now when we talk about potential a logo, but I would call that a brand identity, which includes logos, color palette, typography selection, how your brand will show up on web and print. And then I would incorporate in there as well, photography, a good photography in the brand build. And then our web presence, which could be a website, it could be a LinkedIn profile, it could be a lot of different ways that we decide to position ourselves. And that final stage would be promote. How do we stick a for sale sign out front of that house and take it to market? What do creators in particular need to know about branding that might be totally different from the more traditional branding for a product or a store or even like a corporation? I've worked with startups and corporations over the years, but branding people is my specialty. I love that I can listen to someone's goals and actually use personal branding as a way to manifest those goals. So this isn't just about making something look pretty on the internet. What makes you great? What makes you different? Who do you call when you need someone who, you know, can show you how to choose a color palette, et cetera? What's the difference between branding and marketing? The truth is I don't think of them uh, as separate entities. I think about like a little target if we're playing darts, right? You're trying to get as close as possible to that middle point, which is how we describe to someone who you are, and really why they should pay attention to you instead of someone else. So branding is, is the language, the visuals we use to describe that. Marketing is really the path or the paths that we take to get in front of our ideal audience. So you also talked about photography. Talk to me about what makes good photography. I always come back to this analogy of consistency, this idea that like what we're building online should represent who we are in real life. And photography is a little bit like the outfit, the makeup, the hair, all the energy you put into showing up in real life to go meet a friend, to go pitch to investors. All of us in real life put some kind of effort into how we show up in real life when we interact with people. On the internet, 
your photos are those little soldiers that you send out into the internet to do that work for you. And so it's the one area of branding where I'm just not willing to skimp. You know, if you post a pixelated photo where you've cropped out your family from a family reunion in 2003, that ain't going to cut it nowadays. It's just not. Yeah. You said you want the photos to represent who the person is, but often on social media, I see tons of photoshopped, (laughs) doctored, beautified photos of people. And then when you see them in real life, they don't even look like that. It's a little bit like online dating. You go on a first date, you meet them and they're nothing like how they've described themselves. Is that ever a positive experience? No. Certainly not. And it really goes for anything. I I think it's the same though. I think now we juggle two versions of ourselves, the in-person experience in the online version. I think we all win when those two experiences are consistent and true. I have clients that have hired me, paid me money to go through the exercise of branding. And sometimes when it comes to the photo part, they are very self-conscious or they say, can we do this at the end? Or can we, can we get around taking photos? And it's difficult because it's like saying, I'm going to go meet a friend in real life, but I'm going to keep a bag over my head. Is that going to be fine? It's not about looking like a supermodel in your photos. It's about looking real in your photos. I want to talk a little bit about money. Oh, Um, I love that topic. (laughs) Relevant to this conversation, a vertical of my business that did not exist, Teresa, three years ago, I started it, is content creation. I decided to, right before the pandemic, dust off my YouTube channel because I got feedback from someone when I sent them a website demo, a client. And they said, wow, your demo was really good and fun to watch. You should be creating on YouTube. And so I thought, well, I like to make videos and I love to present and I love to try new tools and such. I made a YouTube channel just just to try it out or just to have an outlet to create content in a format that I really enjoyed that fulfills me. Mm-hmm. The way that I make the majority of my money as a creator is through brand partnerships. So A brand will pay me because they feel confident in my ability to communicate about the platform that they have in a positive, informative, entertaining way. And I hit six figures last year in this vertical that did not exist three years ago, zero dollars three years ago. Wow. You said, let's talk about money, honey. So we're talking about money. (laughs) That's awesome. According to McKenzie, selling via social media is a small but rapidly growing segment. And by 2025, the social commerce sector is expected to swell to nearly, are you ready for the number? I'm ready. $80 billion. Wow. $80 billion in the U.S. And to more than $2 trillion globally. If my listeners started a business on social platforms, or are planning to. Do they even need a website, Phil? Is social only the way of the future? Because, you know, I buy stuff on Instagram a lot. I have to confess. So So do I. I see the ads and then I'm like, oh, buy here now or whatever. They make it so easy. Well, yeah. Do people need a website? Let's answer that question first. I think websites are still incredibly valuable, if not solely for the output. Honestly, the exercise of making one is really important for the success 
of someone's business, putting into language who you are and why people should care. That's hugely beneficial. So when I'm working on a website with a client, we've already got photos, we've got a brand identity. Where we're working on a website, we're deciding what are your services? What is the language we use? How many services do you have? What do we want to focus on? You are an Instagram expert. So we all want to know, what should we post? What should we not post? When should we post? And why should we post? Yeah, it's a lot of questions. Some, <laughs> some are more important than others. So let's prioritize here. How often do I post? Probably three times a week on average. I do try to create like systems for myself so that, for example, I'm not just posting sponsored content all the time. You know, I have branded templates that I've created for myself in Adobe Express that enable me to create different types of content quickly. So if you go to my profile, you'll see there are text-only carousels. I can make those the fastest. And if I've already gone through the process of creating a YouTube video where I share three tips, five tips on something, I can easily, on a day when I don't even have to film, just paste over that information so someone can collect it or grab a piece of it on Instagram. So if I set myself up to only post photos or reels where I'm on camera, let's say, every day, that wouldn't work for me. I'd post a lot less. Do you use the Adobe Express scheduler to plan your posts or do you do it on the spot? Mix of both. I'd say on I'd say 80% of the time I do it in real time. I, I need the pressure to post day of. I like it. But yeah, that's certainly not what I recommend to someone who doesn't have the time or isn't sitting at their desk in the day to do it. It's always better to plan. Make your post. Don't, don't strive for consistency. Strive for joy, which is also mm. something you brought up. I think that's a really cool perspective. Like I would even take that a step further and say, be selfish about social media. You know, yes, it's important that your followers get something of value from you, but what do you get of value from, from content creation as a practice? Let me give you an example. If I go to make a YouTube video next week, I can choose a topic, Teresa, for a video that I'll post on Wednesday on a topic that I want to learn more about. Anyone who connects with me on Instagram knows I travel a lot. So I won't otherwise have the time to just casually research something. But if it's content that I'm creating, then it forces me, or at least it gives me that opportunity to actually learn more about that thing that I want to learn about. So mm -hmm. I, the, for me, content creation is how I learn. It's how I educate myself on, on trends and, and, and things out there that I want to know about and share with others. So for someone that's just starting out or not an expert regarding Instagram, when should they post? Is there a certain day or week? So my answer to someone that's not an expert on Instagram is to not worry about those questions. My answer is build a system, a content plan that is sustainable for you. Mm -hmm. So I get a lot of clients. I'll be like, oh my God, I'm going to post every day. You know, and then it goes, you know, you post every day for a week and then you post zero times the next week. That's not consistent. I would rather you post two, three times a week than, and, you know, and do that for a couple months or longer than to go all in and then, and then disappear. You have to post regularly. I, I'm also trying to do that, but it's hard. It's just hard, but it's achievable. When you post matters less than ever before, just because of you know the way the algorithm works. Essentially, 
when you post Instagram's what or any social media platforms watching closely to see in the small pool that your post is shown to, let's say it's shown to 20 people. If 10 people or 15 people reply or engage on that post, then it's going to be seen by a much wider group of your followers. But a misconception nowadays, this is important to know if you're a beginner, your post is not guaranteed to be seen by everyone who follows you. The algorithm is designed to edit that and only show what it considers to be meaningful for that person. So it's much more important, you know, to keep up your content plan, to be fulfilled by the content that you're creating so that you're enticed to keep doing it. That's way more important than a day or time that you post. I worry less than ever before what time I post, what hashtags I use. So instead of a ton of hashtags, instead, you know, think about your caption being longer and going into more detail on what your post is about so that, you know, Instagram is, is definitely becoming an environment more driven by SEO, search engine optimization, far more important than stuffing hashtags into a caption or as a first comment, much more important that I think we take a step back and go, how can I create a system for myself that brings me joy? You know, that's way more important. Mm -hmm. It can be so intoxicating to try to increase the likes and page views, but it doesn't always translate right into more customers or income. What do you say to people who have gotten so caught up in chasing likes that they lose sight of why they're posting in the first place? I say, are those likes going to pay your rent next month? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I guess if it's a brand deal or it's contingent on a sale, I mean, maybe there might be some scenarios, but it's unlikely. I've worked with clients that have huge businesses and focus so much on social media, I think just as a root of like approval and popularity, then it might be a good moment to pause and reprioritize based on what's going to give you the most sustainability as a business. Yeah. Yeah. What can you do to grow your audience when you've been posting consistently and nothing changes? If someone has been posting consistently and they're not growing in followers and they want to, most, most cases where someone's not growing, it's because they're not spending enough time socializing, engaging, mm -hmm. commenting, DMing someone. You can't be so focused on just kind of passively creating something and throwing it out into the world, particularly if you're getting started or you don't have a ton of followers yet. It's not likely going to be seen by a ton of people. So here's what you should do. Split your time between creation and engagement and prioritize. Okay, each day I'm going to comment on five social media posts that resonate with me. And in a comment, I'm not going to say, love this, you know, like go into more detail. Otherwise it feels like spam and there's robots designed to do that. Instead, you know, think about how can I leave a comment that would grab someone's attention to actually go look at my profile, right? So let's say it's a brick and mortar. Let's say it's a jewelry store. You could comment on uh, a car dealership in the same town, or think about what other businesses would attract your audience and leave a thoughtful comment. And, and so that's a really great way to increase visibility 
uh, on social media is just through meaningful engagement beyond just being so focused on on what you're broadcasting. You bring up such a great point. Yeah. All their output is posting, 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 but they're not engaging with others, with the community, with other creators and content creators. So thank you for that. I have two more questions, Phil. How can Gen AI help with branding and marketing? And have you used Gen AI yourself? So that's actually a really interesting question. Since spring, summer, I've really focused on AI tools and and how small businesses can incorporate AI into what they do. How can we use these tools, you know, in a way to help us create efficiencies or explore creative ideas that just exist in our mind? What about a mood board? Or maybe you're conceptualizing a product or better yet, now being able to create your own image using generative AI that's totally unique to you and what you write as your prompt and the settings that you have. Now it's not just finding the right stock photo, but it's actually thinking about how do I craft a prompt to create the right visual for this use? And that's a really new, exciting way for creatives to think. Yeah, it's a new muscle that they have to build. And it's a a brand new resource, right? And with anything new, people do get nervous or scared. But I think people can also have an open mind. And like you said, try it out for yourselves. You have nothing to lose, right? Exactly. Yeah. Tell me one word that's going to guide you for the rest of 2023. Sort of like a vision word that's top of mind for you. It's focus, really staying true to ourselves. Who are we? Really staying true to what matters in our careers and in our businesses, what fulfills us. Well, you know what you're doing. You're true to yourself. You're so authentic. And authenticity is really a big word for me. And thank you so much for being a guest and continue to be fabulous. Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you for having me. A tremendous thank you to Phil Palin for joining me today. I had such a fun and eye-opening conversation with him. His fresh and positive take on brand building definitely inspired me to think more about my own social media presence and his invaluable insights regarding online marketing for small businesses and independent creators are something you can start using today. The key takeaways that stood out to me were, one, consistency is key. A brand is all about consistency of language, design, and style across platforms. Two, personal brands are based on self-awareness. Have a goal in mind and make sure that your brand reflects that vision. Be authentic to who you really are. Three, repurpose content across platforms and formats. Make it easy for yourself. Posting regularly isn't as hard if you have templates and content ready to go. Four, if your following isn't growing, you're not socializing enough. Don't just put out content, be part of a community. You have to engage. This is In The Making, and I'm Teresa Au. I'll be back with a new guest and new inspiration from the creator economy every two weeks. So please take a few seconds to subscribe to this podcast. And if you like this episode, be sure to give us a rating and a review in your podcast app. 
We're brand new, so we'd really appreciate it if you would share this show with all of your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you all in a fortnight. <laughs>